Why, hello there. This is DJ Art of the High School 510 Podcast, and this week's episode is slightly different than our normal format. We have friend of the show, Professor Stephen Cleveland of Cal State East Bay, joining us to discuss the Supreme Court's most recent rulings on affirmative action. Um, from there, we discuss black history in America, we discuss the Oakland A's a little bit, we even discuss the N-word, and women's existentialism somehow i don't i don't know it just happened organically um i really enjoyed recording this episode because it really highlights the depth of the conversations that we've had um with professor cleveland but also just the free-flowing nature of it was awesome and it just went many places that most times you know pedro don't let us get there okay because he wants to keep it regular but anyways Uh, We hope you enjoy this show. If you enjoy it, share it with a friend. And please support Professor Cleveland's projects, the Educational Excellence Project, and A King in Paradise. Their links are in the show notes. Also, check out his link tree, um, which is also in the show notes. Anyways, it was also 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, y'all. Anyways, let's get to the episode. Without further ado, we present to you our latest episode Affirmative Assets in Action with Professor Cleveland. We hope you enjoy the show. The new Parkway Theater, where good food, diverse entertainment, and community create a place for everyone. For showtimes and special events, check out www.thenewparkway.com. You are listening to High School 510, where real talk is our vernacular. Clarence Thomas is in confessional talking to his priest about why he went on those vacations with Harlan Crow. Pedro, let's start with you this time. God, I just got used to the champagne. Big boats, boats and holes. Oh, my mama house on a plantation. I could the temptation was way too much. Please forgive me, give me $2 million. AG3. Clarence Thomas confessing about all those vacations with Harlan Crow. Who'd you expect me to go on vacation with? The black man? <laughs> <laughs> OBJ wasn't on that boat. Professor Cleveland. You're like a, <clears throat> ain't no party like a white man party because a white man party don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so how are things going with you, though? I'm good, man. I'm actually hanging in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, you're in Alabama. Oh, I'm sure uh, uh, AG3 will be happy to to hear that. Yes, sir. I'm here hanging out with fam. Yeah. Every now and again, you have to check on them, make sure they're good. Okay. You've been out there for, you say you're out there for another week? Yeah, I'm here until the 11th. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, cool, cool. Checking in on everybody, making sure they're good. Okay. Uh, how long you been there so far? I've uh, been here. Where did we get to this place, man? We got here on uh, Thursday, I guess. Okay. We got in like late night Wednesday. Been here since Thursday. Had to work Thursday, Friday. You know, I don't wherever I'm at, I'm working. So yeah, you know. Well, you know, technology allows you to work remotely now, so I guess that's a benefit of technology. Yeah, 
benefit and a curse. curse. Yeah, yeah I was going to say benefit that. and a curse because yes, work can now follow you. You can't just check out. Yes, sir. Uh, you teaching classes this summer? I am teaching, but I'm online, so it's not like, you know, it ain't, it ain't mm-hmm. crazy, crazy. But yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty cool, man. I'm, I'm actually, uh, yeah, man, I love the class I'm teaching. I'm getting prepared. I'm, I'm going to be focusing next year on uh, supporting Black excellence, which is interesting because this reason why this whole decision hit me a little bit is because it's in the place that I'm working at right now, trying to figure out how to support even with you know, because cause in California, we haven't had a burn of action for years, right? Prop 209, get rid of that. So, yeah. so you know, figuring out how do we create safe spaces for Black folks because they're leaving to mm-hmm. go to HBCUs, which is not like you know, a surprise, right? Because that's the place that the people are seen and they're able to, and saying it's like, you know, it just makes sense. It's logical sense that people go there, mm-hmm. you know, un- unless they have, you know, an experience like my daughter does, but she had to read. Yeah. And I, you know, had prepared her how to understand and work the system and find safe spaces and mm-hmm. to connect with, you know, but man. Yeah. So it's a rough thing right now. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's one of the um, kind of hidden gates or I don't say gates, but one of the hidden walls. Um, it's not really hidden. I think it's, it, it comes down to access and, and uh knowledge of the accesses that you have i think that's probably one of the biggest just filters that you know the the system or the the man as i like to say you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. uh you know keeps keeps with a very you know keeps always keeps uh, present ever present you know mm-hmm. just if you don't even it, the access is there but you have no you know uh, understanding or consciousness or just even relative uh, like knowledge of the access points is how how do you get there you know how how, how do you even utilize those access points if, if you know it's like hidden doorways you know you, you don't know the, the proper liver to pull or what book on the bookshelf to to pull out to open that hidden doorway you get people who you know might might fall into it or might make their way into it but then even then just you know limited even more limited resources so i think that's that was something that was instilled in me my parents working in education primarily for underrepresented um uh youth in particular first first generation college goers is what my parents you know worked worked in uh kind of cultivating and 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 creating that knowledge of access for a lot of students of color um or low socioeconomic students so it was I think that's that's something else that we that we can continue to elaborate on, especially with these these more limitations being placed on things. So Yep. It's kind of crazy. What's going kinda on, Aaron? Crazy. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, brother. Aaron, you're gonna be jealous. You don't even know where Professor Cleveland's at. Where where you at? I'm uh I'm in Birmingham right now. Oh, Birmingham? Yes, sir. Oh man, you down there with all the heat. I'm not too jealous. Oh no, that is for sure, man. They got it on for sure. They got that oven. You got the humidity and it's what is it near hundred degrees right now? Well, today it was a nice cool 80, uh, what we got? No, 92. It was 92 okay. today. 
92 and a cool breeze. 92. But <laughs> ain't it no had, breeze. ain't no cool ain't breeze. No breeze. <laughs> it had breeze. The breeze ain't cool, but it was coming. That's the hot air. Mm-hmm. The hot air. Yeah. yeah, we were trying to make a trip down there, and then and then uh Aaron and I got a got a new job, and they just, you know, threw a bunch of new work on us, and it wasn't the right time to make a trip down to Alabama. We were trying to do just trying to plan out a trip to New Orleans. We have a friend in New Orleans and then drive up from New Orleans through Alabama, maybe check in with Aaron's family for a day or so, and then head up to North Carolina where uh, our other friend lives, Brandon. So, but didn't work out. Didn't work out. It's probably better though, because it's probably not, it probably would have been killing us with that heat. For sure. Are you down there for fun or for work? Uh, for fam, it's fam time. So I was just okay. checking, checking on the elders and the new ones, you know, got some new babies that I haven't met yet, you know, yeah. within the last two years. And so just seeing people I haven't met and checking care, checking, you know, checking in on the elders. Okay. You got to act like you got sense, you know, since they don't have no sense sometimes, you know, you have to, <laughs> you have to have sense for the whole group. The whole you have group. to bring more to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you can't be sitting on that like, oh, they ain't coming to see me. So I ain't. Go and go see that you know you have to be on yeah. it. grown man and shit. So I'm like, all right, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Did y'all 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 see what's going on in some irregular internet? I'm not on the internet as much as you, Jared. So I'm gonna say no. <laughs> Jeff, I found. Uh, I do want to get your take on this, uh, Professor Cleveland. What is um, what is your take on our the tragedy of Ocean's Gate? Man, I, I I don't know. I have not. Ch- I missed it. Oh, you mean that all the people under the sea? That that thing? Yeah, I don't miss all that people. All the people. It's you like ain't a got, couple people. A few. No, no, no. I'm talking about you. You talking about the hundreds of people that died in Greece? Oh no, no, no. no. We don't about? about that. Nobody cares about I, that. I was we just trying to say, that. like, you know, I was like, you know, are you talking about the real tragedy? You know, the fact that like all those human beings lost their lives? Or are you talking about these fools who decide to take a chance and shit? Like I'm saying, who the like, who, who I'm not man. People take chances all the time, but you know it's hard to feel sorry for somebody. They're like, man, they caught me selling drugs. That's fucked up. Like, no, dude, you were on the corner selling drugs. You know what the fuck happened when you on the corner selling drugs? Like, you know, I know there's some systemic issues to put your ass in that situation, but damn, you chose a thing and you knew some consequences. I mean, if they got yeah. tough love for black people who go to jail for selling drugs, then I guess you should have tough love for, for billionaires who lose their lives doing some shit underneath the sea. But That's I, right. You know, my humanity has room to fill for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I yeah. you know, it really is sad that they lost their lives. But again, it's like one of those things that black people just won't do. Like certain things, some certain rooms we don't walk in certain places we don't like roll into and that's some shit they're like oh man i don't know going underneath mm-hmm. the sea and some shit he made sympathy <laughs> sympathy he and made. sadness is a spectrum so it's on the lower end of that spectrum <laughs> i funny. mean it's what it is it, it is fucked up like barack said it's fucked up that we give so much attention you know i, I think about john ramsey right like you know i think the year she died in, in the bay area they were like a series of serial killer who was like capturing little black girls. And, and at the same time, there was nobody reporting mm-hmm. on the like dozens of black girls, you know, girls of color, but black girls specifically. I think it's an album lifting up there that went missing at the same time. Was right? it 
was it John Bonet or Polly Class? Yeah, it was John Bonet Ramsey. John Bonet time. was the one when they was had John Bonet Ramsey. Yeah, was they she had from... the other. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Polly Class. Little... I don't think Polly Class hit as much. See, you're in the Bay. It was Area. a Bay Area that hit. That yeah, no, no, you're talking Bay about Bay. You're talking about Bay. I'm just saying talk, at the time. John Bonet. John Bonet yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that shit was on everywhere, right? But at the same time. You had multiples of black kids in Oakland missing. And yeah. on the Oakland news, they were covering John Benet Ramsey. So uh-huh. in Oakland, you got kids this missing. little white girl from far, far away missing was more important. And I think it does say a little bit about our values, you know, and I think mm-hmm. the, uh, the anti-blackness that we face oftentimes uh, is sort of mask and expert gaslighting. They talk about like, you know, th- like, like, you know, black men invented gaslighting. No, 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 no. We learned. <laughs> we learned from the best. We're like, what's wrong with you, man? Why don't you own no houses, man? What's wrong with black people? Why don't they own houses? Like, oh, it wasn't redlining going on, right? There was nothing. Before that, there was not the Homestead Act that allowed white people to get free shit, and we didn't get none, right? There was yeah. not GI bills that black folks returned home and weren't able to buy property in neighborhoods. That shit didn't happen. But right now, 73% of white folks own houses. And only 44% of black people own houses. That's a fact right now. But the, the, the question is always depends on when uh, the storyteller starts the camera, right? If you yeah. start the camera the day, then you're like, you don't know why. Why do these people have this disparity? And you start answering that question with anecdotal shit you'd observe about blackness, right? But if you look back, you'll say, like, hmm, it started at the start of this country when we were in shackles. And they were giving out free parcels of land to white people. That's when it started, this whole disparity. And so it's pretty amazing that we do as well as we do. We're pretty fucking awesome uh, group of people to be able to overcome this many obstacles that exist. And so here we go. SCOTUS throws us another obstacle. And we, we like the fucking masses we are, are going to respond to it uh, excellently. And that's the shit that I live on, man. I, I really, you know, I don't. I mean, this we've been fighting these fights for so long. The ebb and flow of this is not like a surprise or shock or nothing. So I just do think that the uh, there are people who make their money off, off of being aghast about shit that's like, yeah, the, like I, I think that the, the more than anything, it's just like the, the reminder to white women that they took when they took away the right for them to have abortions. I was like, man, they be they be slapping white women around like they don't know. Don't they need their vote? They probably be, they better want to be careful about this because yeah, you know. That's the you know that's the constituency to me, and if you think about it in a uh, in a civil rights era time frame, right? You think about it in terms of the tactical thing. They're aligning us with white women again, which we all know Jared is never disaligned with white women, right? Like, <laughs> but you know, but <laughs> I'm saying that like as a people, they are aligning us with white women, aligned uh, and inserted. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we are now. Uh, on the same path with Jared. I think when we look at tactics moving forward, white women are going to be uh, important to us as we sort of look to to fight back against the systemic racism bullshit. I got a great strategy for this. All right. We got to start cultivating young people of color, people of color going to Starbucks and other beautiful Anglo coffee shops and ordering pumpkin spice and even, dare I say, gingerbread lattes. 
and is sitting down same, and having is a conversation. Of, is it that time of year again? Oh, back? it's getting close. It's getting not. close. No, not even close. It's nowhere near close. It's too hot for any pumpkin uh, spice lattes, man. You can get an ice pumpkin spice latte. I'm latte. sitting up here in 112 degree weather. <laughs> a white woman in is in a bikini. Uh, we're going to get you one. We're going to get you one, Pedro. Don't worry. We're going to start a GoFundMe. Well, I guess it can't really be a GoFundMe, but it's going to. No, you can't traffic white women. No, no, but we're going to get you. We're going to get you enough money to where you can dress yourself appropriately to attract a beautiful white woman that will then say, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me get let me get a piece of that. That 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 dark chocolate that you are, Pedro. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh. I just got to get out. I don't I don't hang out as, uh, like I used to, so. Well, yeah, because you moved to Arizona no, and it's fucking no, my wife, degrees. Don't hang out, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not, no, that's not, that's not the point. My wife is just in the way. <laughs> is your wife in the way of you having your side piece? Is that what you're yes. trying to explain to yes. me? Yes. Damn, damn, man. And, and, and my son. His son is all one, one, one right now, so I got to. I gotta look out for the family before I uh, soil my royal oats. Oh, soil so your non-royal oats. My non-royal, my my hood red oats. <laughs> the funniest part is that fits with the percentage of black men. Black men, the, the the whole sort of stereotype of black men being out the home is just out of touch with the numbers. The numbers don't show that. Mm-hmm. So you are one of those actual black men who represent. The majority of black men who stay in connected with their families, you know what I mean. Nope. So, so look at you, prop prop Dave, uh, Cleveland. So so this made me uncomfortable one time. So we, I went to a uh, uh, one of those family meetings with my son with the autism. You know, he has autism. So I went to a not a family one, but they have a uh, medical structure out here in Arizona. And the lady told me, "He's like, wow, you are bringing him to all the doctor's appointments and." In the council appointments, man, you just don't see that in the fathers. You don't see it in the fathers. I'm like, what is it seen in the fathers? And at the same time, in the office, there was another dude in there with, with his daughter. But I see where she was going. She said she wanted to say, I don't see black man in there with their father. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, man, she you just just oh out and open type. Right, I'm yeah. like, man, this this was like, what was this like? Dang, it's probably about eight years from that. Eight years ago, you know, yeah. it's funny. I come from a home where my dad was there the whole fucking time. Like it's just an interesting yeah. set of world. And then I too yeah. am in a household where I was there the whole fucking time. Right. Go, go, go figure. Go figure. So. Yeah, I, I wish my dad would leave the house more. I'm like, Dad, can you y'all go on vacation or something? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to have the house to myself, especially yeah. in high school. It's like. Dang, like it'd be nice to have that. I'm good enough to take care of the house. I can take the bus and get to and from school. Y'all can go somewhere. <laughs> Just the opposite, Jared. I was, I was hoping my dad would be around. I would have married some of these trifling ass women. Shit, <laughs> 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 he would definitely know. You knew how to pick them. Oh, there you go. Buddy, uh, you needed some leader. You needed some leadership on that. I need some black, black leadership. There you go. That's <laughs> funny. I, I fucked around and married somebody who I actually liked. See? Fuck <laughs> with me. Hey, hey that's what I've been trying to uh, preach to people. I was like, I'm look, like, man, man, marry your best friend, man. Y'all, y'all don't. If you got a best friend that you can marry, marry her. 
be with yeah. her. Anything to be around her. Yeah. These kids out here chasing fantasies and yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share some real. So I was like, basically, we're staying with my family, staying with our family, and uh, some of the people in the room with me, or well, some of the people in the house with me, are a little bit more conservative than I am. And so I was like, I know we're gonna get into some real, you know, probably progressive ass thoughts over here that want to like offend anybody. I was like, hey, baby, I'm gonna go get a hotel room so that I could go and have a conversation with black men about the shit that's happening. And she was like, all right, baby, let me drive you. You know what I'm saying? No, that's some shit, right? That's some shit right there. <laughs> like, it's a whole bunch of other conversations you can have. But if you're married to somebody who'd be like, yeah, let's, that sounds like a thing you should do. That's what the fuck is up. I'm telling you, man, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, 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 you know, important. a lot of people marry people who are princesses and they go and spend their lives taking care of them and living up to some shit that don't make no sense. And I'm like, mm. man, fuck that. Like, I mean, not yeah. that, like, you know, you shouldn't take care of your woman, but I'm saying if it's, if it's, 98% of the job, <laughs> then you probably fucked around and, and did something that you don't, you know, it's not sustainable. Right. Yeah, that's why I like a beautiful white woman that knows how to stand her place. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, you sound like you done found some, some old, uh, you know, olden day white woman. I don't know. I don't know no <laughs> white women like the fuck you talking about. She can't cook, but she she be doing all the weird shits like pouring raw pasta in with the uh, raw ground beef and then pouring cheese on top and putting it in the oven for 30 minutes and being like, it's cooked, it's ready. <laughs> Man, uh, that, sound, that sounds like you done. Yeah, I don't it know. Like I don't know casserole what hell. It's a, it sounds like you go into like a third world country and shit and finding something like you talking about these Czechoslovakian women. You talking about, uh, <laughs> you talking about <laughs> Eastern <laughs> Bloc. You talking about you know Eastern what I'm saying? Bloc. Like you, you trafficking over there? You know what I'm saying? Ain't no, ain't no American women showing up the way you talking about. <laughs> they, uh, you haven't seen those those videos online where it's like there's a couple of these women who basically will, they have like they they already look like they well off. They got a nice ass kitchen and they're like, oh, we're gonna make. You know, I saw one last night. This woman took raw chicken, dumped it in a um, tub of peanut butter, coated with mm -hmm. peanut butter, took. Mm -hmm. Oh, slices of white bread, cut off the edges, and then roll. Uh, was it rolling pin the white bread down to it was like a not a paste, but it was just like a thick whatever. She cut it in slices and then wrapped that chicken coated in peanut butter with the white bread. Hmm. Then she had the nerve to take gingerbread cookies and cinnamon toast crunch, smash it up into a powder. Um, she took the chicken drumsticks that was with the white bread and the peanut butter. Put it, dipped it in eggs, egg wash, and then dipped it into the gingerbread, uh, cinnamon toast crunch uh, powder, and then put it in the air fryer for thirty minutes. Mm -hmm. And apparently, she acted like she was taking a bite at the end of the video. Video ended, but <laughs> it's like these are the kind of things that that you know I follow online. Sometimes I don't, you know, I try not I mean, to. I, I think that's a knock against you, not not her. I mean, I, I gotta say, man, yeah, you sound you like you got some attention. fucked up I, shit I going was on. Taking notes. I was Jared. taking Jared. notes against you, Jared, man. man. As I say, read a book. <laughs> be better. It was oh better serve God. your time. Be better at life, Aaron, right? Just exactly. Be I, ain't, I can't get mad at her for not knowing how to cook. That might be passed on generations that I know how to cook. You yeah. the one sitting there watching it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and thinking of yourself. And guess mm. what? You ain't getting better at cooking by watching that. Hmm. You thinking yourself? I need a woman like this. Exactly. Patty has some big ass titties. I think it is for shock value. Obviously, they do it for yeah. shock value, trying to get people to get clicks. But it's just, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous amount of. Uh, it's no, a no, it really. Food. Uh, so be very clear. It does it does 
seem to feed into your isms. You may have a, a, a stereotype built in your head. And, uh, I, I, you know, I hope you find that non-cooking, uh, <laughs> subservient white woman. You know what I mean? I hope you find that and it fulfills you. Or as with most things, you wish you had a prey more specific because she been doing that shit. And we're like, damn, man, why am I always sick? Like, I don't understand why I was perfectly healthy and I married this lady and now I'm always sick. Yeah, I'm always on the toilet. <laughs> Hey man, so so why do you have the Oakland A's near you right now? Fuck them. Um, you know what? It's Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart, Oakland legend. So, uh, but I actually um, I have a friend who does event planning, and um, she was uh, planning the Dave Stewart because they retired his jersey last season, and mm-hmm. so she was planning the. They were putting on like a little event in West Oakland um as like a little party slash roast and it was like in in his honor the night before they did the retirement ceremony at the game the next day Mm -hmm. and so she's like hey i know you're a big a's fan would you you know be down to you know help set up a little bit and then you can just hang out and like check out this it's gonna be like a roast there's gonna be former players um from the teams and a bunch of people from like the a bunch of executives and media members from the from csn and the team and uh friends and family so it'd be a cool event and they have some other like you know dope stuff going on there so i was like yeah definitely so i went there like an hour early helped set up a couple things um and you know for the first like part of it just kind of you know went around and like helped bust some stuff and then once they started like the actual like roast and people started talking and they had everyone up on stage like i just got to chill get food and and uh, have some drinks and watch watch that so that was actually a cool little little event so that's why i got this jersey and that's why I, you know keeping it up no but. i hella i gotta say i hella love the a's man it was really like the yeah. a's were a big part of of you know the swag of oakland mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying the east bay sort of thing i was like you know anti-giants and now i've got to be a fucking giants fan the last shit left in the bay area that's crazy <laughs> ain't it that's crazy oakland Orange roots. Fucking black oakland roots yeah well is that supposed to make me feel better? Yeah, that, that, yeah. Lost all, our shit? Uh, all that makes me say is you need to root for Oakland High School at that point. I'm saying, man, I feel like we one of those cities again, right? We get Oakland, be back to like community colleges, like Laney. Let's yeah. follow Laney. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah, well, the Oakland Roots seems to be pretty good. Every time I see a clip on Instagram of them, they're scoring a goal. So they're, they're like low division <laughs> soccer, man. You don't want to watch MLS. This is what I don't understand. People who talk crap about the MLS sit there and say, man, I'm going to go to Oakland Roots game. I'll watch Oakland Roots. It's lower the MLS, people. It's worse soccer. It's crappy. No, But they do got a bunch of brothers on the team, too. So that's another that's another positive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so does Oakland Tech. So Oakland High got a bunch of brothers on the team. Oakland High full of brothers. McClyman's, man. McClyman's full that. of brothers. I love that. I start we'll bring it back, man. Let's we just need to give him a platform. Let's just lift it up. Fuck it, like you know. Yeah. No need. No need. I, no, but it is. Uh, you know, I love Vegas. I, I, you know, but I just uh, I don't know about organized sports no more, y'all. I don't. I don't. I, mean, I haven't watched NFL since uh, since Oakland announced they were leaving, mm-hmm. and it's coincided with the. You know, with our boy from San Francisco, Kaepernick. The small the small kneeling thing, right? So it was those two things of like the anti-blackness that I saw coming from owners and then the anti like, you know, people, anti-regular people shit is really at the core of it. And I think the SCOTUS thing is there too. I think that what we are looking at right now is that 
rich people are really good at hiring people to promote and, and articulate their points of view, right? Like PR marketing is all about storytelling. Mm-hmm. And for them to sell these stories to make it look like Oakland's a bad actor in this fucking thing. Oakland gave $900 million to make a stadium for them, which they are still paying on, right? And they're asking them to do a billion dollar stadium to replace that stadium while they still owed over half the money on. Uh, and this is a organization that is a nonprofit organization that is making billions of dollars and they're asking public institutions, tax dollars, us, our money, right? They don't want our tax dollars to go to pay for little Negro kids to get an education, but they're okay with our tax dollars to go to pay for the NFL to bring fucking teams around and to underwrite them. It's just, uh, I think that we have, you know, aligned ourselves with billionaires, uh, with the interests of billionaires, and we've lost sight uh, of who the fuck we are. And I think, we, you know, I think we, we are fighting the wrong people in the same way I said we need to align with white women tactically to move uh, stuff because they're going to get hit by affirmative action going away hard. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that business beneficiaries are white women. They don't know it yet. But when they start seeing the fact that women outnumber men in college now, it used to be men far outnumbered women, right? But now women outnumber men. And that was in part because of affirmative action. And so when we start seeing women not getting accepted and we start seeing that impact, I think it's going to be, a, you know, that that will allow us an opportunity then to align with them as we're pushing uh, for Black folks to have access. But, you know, this is a another thing that is pushing Black folks into, uh, you know, into thinking about things like, I know I've talked to a lot of families and Black families not feeling like going to college makes economic sense for them, right? And, and so... Uh, you know, that's a that's a battle at this moment anyway. Why? Because average income of black folks when they graduate from college is fifty nine thousand dollars. The average income of white folks when they graduate is like seventy four thousand dollars. So it's like this you know, 15 K difference in what your starting salaries are, which, you know, plays out over time. You get raises based off that initial salary. Right. That gap, you know, stays there. And I think that that's the piece that's making black folks ask themselves like, man, is it the debt worth it for me to make this money? Right. If, if, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, these are the things that, that I think that I'm excited actually to be in uh, the work, in the leadership of trying to figure out how we do better. And so I think that we have to get out of the reactionary phase and, and space of, of being surprised by them being themselves. Like what did DMX say? Trust motherfuckers to be themselves, right? Like you got to trust them to be themselves. Is this a surprise? The, 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 this conservative body, right, that's been really conservative, moved really conservative after uh, Trump appointed these judges. We is this a surprise they're doing conservative shit? No, no, not at all. That's what I told people. Like, how can you be surprised? Look what the Supreme Court is made right now, right? It's going to be a time that you're going to see some things get flipped right now. Uh, this is where we at. This is where we at. Instead of being surprised by it, just be lined up and ready to go. Next time, be ready to vote for the right people. Be ready to get people in office. Get ready to 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 talk to your people you know and stop uh stop uh turning a hero into some Supreme Court justice to the point where they don't think ahead and think of the bigger picture and retire. Right? What hero are you talking on. about? Ag three? Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm talking about someone whose face and three initials is all over T-shirts, and it's not Ag three. Notorious Big. Those. Are the three Big. Those are, <laughs> it's not the notorious Big. 
but it was some people that got turned into a hero, had movies made about them, and just refused to retire, even though they underwent two bouts of cancer and was at the age of 80, reaching the age yeah. of 80. And even though one of the presidents pulled her in the office, one of the Democratic, and talked to her about it, put her into a private meeting, talked to her about it, she held on. I think it was some selfishness there, but I mean, I can't say, who am I to say, you know, maybe I wouldn't have done the same thing, but some yeah. some some justices think ahead and they look at who's in office and what could happen and say, OK, maybe it's time I hit this retirement button, give you a chance to. So this is just where we're at right now. So you're trying to say that it wasn't just American people voting for that guy over no, I, Hillary Clinton, which is the lesser I think of it's two a, evils. I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's a whirlwind of things, right? It's never yeah. just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we hit this, you know. I think there was a, a a vast reaction among, you know, whiteness in non-liberal areas to Barack Obama being in office. For right? two that, for two terms. <laughs> for two terms that we hit that, that we hit this where we're at. I think it was the fact that, you know what, um when they filibuster so Obama couldn't get the last his last Supreme Court justice in, right? Mm-hmm. And then to have RBG uh, you know, have her pass away, you know, during Trump's one term. How, how many Supreme Court justices did he did he get to put in? I think he three. put in three. three. Yeah. He put in three. I mean, that was Kavanaugh, Comey, Barrett, uh-huh. and uh, you figure, you know, if, if if Obama got his two in, then maybe we'll be in a different place. I mean, it's a whirlwind of things. It's not just one thing. I don't think you could just point at one thing and say we're at this conservative time. I mean, but we survived the eighties at a conservative time. Remember, the Supreme Court was really conservative during the eighties. Late yeah. 70, early 80s. So, I mean, you know, you I like what you said earlier about black people striving and we get through these things instead of parking on it. So I don't say don't 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 place it to the side and don't talk about it. But let's not act like it's not. We can get through it. I, I like right. what you said there, Professor Cleveland, mm-hmm. like we can get through this, it just like we have before. This is um, this is just white people's revenge. They they know what they're doing. This is design, by design. Um, I'm I'm disappointed in Obama for not, you know, pushing through on some of the, you know, trying to get people in the court for that. But like I said on this show before, um, like you just said, I, I all the all the Democrats and Republicans are it, it's so soiled by the big money. They're going to do what their corporate donors want. Okay. They're not, they're not here for the people. They're here to get paid. And no matter who we put in office until we get the money out of politics, stuff white, the, the conservative whites are going to still push all their agenda to try to save. Okay. It, it's, nothing's going to change until you get money out of politics. Well, I don't even know. I mean, money right. in politics are, are it's well, not, that's not going to come out. They got the power, they got the weapons. Right. We can't fight. You can't go out and just, what has protesting done all this time? Nothing. Protesting, protesting did a lot. Stop that shit. Come on. Hey, no, 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 no. It did. It did. It did. All so it that, did uh, is to put us on nope. a level just below the white. Okay. White nope. people here. Nope. Black people came here. We came yeah. here. White folks is always going to be here. That's some fake news, sir. That's some fake news. I'm not going to let you do it. So it's okay. It's okay, <laughs> okay for us. 
It's a, it's a okay for us to say that we haven't gotten enough. And I, I'm I'm with you on that. There has not been enough for what we have given. But the world that, that MLK was living in is far different from the world we're living in. I mean, I literally mm-hmm. am able to fly. Like, I, you know, I can drive in places that I never could drive before. Uh, there is still, you know, a, a, a this this particular last five years have been a little bit less freer, right? Because Trump made people okay to come out. Like there used to be, people were afraid because the federal government was so reactive to white people doing crazy shit and making things unsafe that like now under Trump, he didn't label them hate groups, right? He was like, all right, those are the homies. You know, this, you know, it was a different sort of thing. Very good people on both sides. So, so it made people feel a little more comfortable with their attacks. But to be clear, the world is a better place because of the sacrifices that we made. Uh, now, the world is a, a much better place for white women than it should be. <laughs> they got more benefits, in particular talking about affirmative action. White women benefited the most from affirmative action. It really changed their lives in ways that it didn't change ours as much. Right? Changed my so, life, too. Man, that sexual yeah. existentialism, you know, they freaky. <laughs> he had sex with my mama. <laughs> Jared and his, his thing. I get it. See, man. I disagree because black women have started to be freaky with the new internet. <laughs> no, but they're 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 I, coming I along. I think it's a different level. No, these like white women have been yeah. able to be freaky for a couple of decades now, and they figure yeah, things out. Different level. Man, they figure we, things we, out. Don't you don't want me to get into black sexuality now? The whole point of black women's sexuality has been about uh, the vision of all of the Jezebel. You know, fighting against that image. So not want to be seen that way and a hyper conservatism that exists with us around sexuality that's rooted in the church, right? So those two things have really made it difficult for white for black women to get their freak on. And I think that we're in a in an age where we're seeing a shifting of that where folks are not as uh, beholden to the church anymore because the church is losing its influence on black people. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, amen. <laughs> they so, sure are. My, 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 my mom won't do nothing without Jesus. <laughs> if you listen, hell. So oh. I think I think the young people, the young women, are most definitely getting their freak on because black sexuality is becoming a little bit less taboo, and I don't think that they're still sort of afraid of being called the Jezebel. I think there's a little more freedom that's happening. Well, so you know, the world's become more licentious than it has been in the past. Licentious? More than just licentious. I learned that word. <laughs> I was like, that. are you sure you pronounced it right? You said, Probably you said pronouncing it. it all wrong. <laughs> I was like, the fuck is he talking about? Licentious, <laughs> man. It's the perfect way of spreading our, our morality. Let me spell licentious. it for you. I'm going to spell it for you, man. Hold right. on. Professor uh, about to get educated. Well, yeah, no, I think there is, uh, especially with, over the last, you know, 15, the Kardashian era in many ways has been a major influence over young women and young people as influencers and, you know, being, you know, one of the spawning sources of this influence right, culture, yeah. you could say, and their their imagery and their their appropriation right, of enough, black uh, enough features. Of the, enough yeah, of that yeah. shit. Go ahead. Aaron. All right. Licensus. <laughs> L-I-C-N-T-I-O-U-S. Licentious, an adjective, promiscuous and unprincipled in sexual matters. Licentious? Licentious. There you go. I spelled it. Okay, so I was pronouncing okay. it wrong. It's like yes. licensing okay. to do something. Licentious. Yes. Now that's a word. 
<laughs> I was the like, first one, I was like, what the hell? Like, Aaron, you getting a magic moment for that? <laughs> give me a magic moment for that. <laughs> at least give me a credit for trying to pronounce it. I thought it at least I knew the meaning. I knew the meaning. Oh, yeah. I didn't know how to pronounce it, but I knew the meaning. Uh, I, was I was like, 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 um, like chitlins? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew the meaning of the word, just didn't know how to pronounce it. I thought you said a slur about Asian people. Licentious, dude. It's more, the world's become more sexually promiscuous than it has been in the past with our, our you know, society changes, morality, values change and things in that nature. Amen. Amen to that. It's so it's, you know, Pedro's favorite thing is a lot more irregularity in the bedroom. No, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, no, don't try to get that man in trouble. What you talking mm. about, Brad? Hey, Pedro likes Pedro likes regular sex. That's that's his thing. He yes. always talk about keep it regular. So but, uh, uh, sex shame. Pedro, Pedro basically wants to he wants to he wants to bring back the rules the Puritans have for sex where you just have a hole in a sheet. She wears underwear with dick holes in them. <laughs> you sleep in separate and you beds. Get the lights just, off. Hey, you sleep just, in separate this, beds. This is the idea about my this is my idea about sex. Uh, wow. It's just, just imagine Danny Glover and Whoopi Goldberg. Look up a purple. Nobody that's all, that's, that's, but that's all, that's all we need. It's getting too crazy out here. It's, it's getting so funny. too crazy. That's all I'm too saying. Crazy. It's way it's too crazy. crazy. I mean, I think this you just, we're just getting insight into that, you know, it's like America is going through the 70s from the white people's perspective. As a, oh. as a whole country. It's just like black <laughs> able to do shit. There's a lot of, you know, there's cu cultural norms that are getting, you know, being ne negotiated, navigated, and there's pushback and there's pull. And, you know, hopefully we'll find, um, I wouldn't say necessarily the center, but I would say a more righteous leaning center. And I guess righteousness is subjective, so I can't necessarily well, say that. I mean, you don't have no women in this room, so it's really, we can't have a real full-on sexual conversation. I mean, men vision of sexuality is really from I've, male gaze. I've been trying, yeah, I've been trying to have Jared get more women on the show instead of us making all these reckless uh, speculations about what women want and need. No, no, no. Well, you're the only one. You're the one making them more than anybody else. Hold on. They don't need more. They just need to be regular with us. I ain't said nothing about no woman. No, I said Jared. I said Jared. I'm looking at it from the understanding of the fact that the lens by which we formulate much of our sexuality has been a male-dominated, coming from a, you know, Christian basis, you know, even like, you know, that being infused into it. So me looking at it with the understanding of this is the lens, I can see how like it, how it impacts my perspective or how it, you know, infused its way in me understanding the world. So I can also in some degree have some relative as empathetic person say, well, if it's if it's for my my thoughts on sexuality or this that, and the other in this way, like somebody from this background or somebody that lives this lifestyle, I could see it having Similar effects, though different, um, because the root of what was being portrayed and projected onto us or, or uh, valued uh, upon us is still the same. So like we we do come we do. It does affect us differently from our different places in the world. But if I can at least look at it and understand it and like critique it from stepping back from that lens, then I think I can give some astute assessments on what are some of the options that people might prefer to have for themselves uh, as an independent you know, person that's thinking for themselves and has a variance in their experience that 
it isn't simple right or wrong. It isn't simple. This is the way you, you know, live your life or this is the way you engage in your intimacy and relationships, but that, you know, saying there's a plurality of things. explanation. I just it think- really was. I was like, I feel like I'm in uh, the she's got to have it era Spike Lee conversation right now. I was like, yeah. this motherfucker. Yeah. I, I feel like it's either that. Two hours of my life. The emancipation oh, exactly. of the population. Or, or it's that guy from In Living Color that was just sitting, yeah, sitting in jail. A mind is a terrible oh, yeah, thing to write. Yeah, you need to fornicate. You need to fornicate. Fornicate. It's either one of those. Ooh, yeah. Lord, man. All that shit to justify your love for white women, man. That was a lot of stuff. Mm. I, I, all I'm saying is this. I think that like in terms of, uh, of where we are, in terms of understanding Black sexuality, I think we all are evolving into a space where we can actually talk about it. I think, you know, our parents didn't talk about sex, you know. That was just a whole generational mm. thing. But it was even more scarred, you know, post-slavery Black folks. It's just like we we have a lot of disconnected with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Puritanism that was brought into us, right? The weird thing where masters were able to rape Black women, but we didn't talk about sex among the crew because we didn't really have sex, you know, for a long time without mm-hmm. it being sanctioned, right? So there's a right. lot of derivative of that in terms of how we play out. And so mm-hmm. understanding that, yes. That I'm is glad you said thing. that. I'm glad you said that. So I'm more into having slavery sex. Tell me he didn't just say that. <laughs> Jesus, Nick. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> this nigga. Good Lord. Just uh, saying, black people didn't enjoy sex when we were slaves. They made, we were just out there reproducing. I'm sure some people enjoyed it. I mean, you enjoyed know, it. I'm sure you'll yeah. figure out some. I'm sure yeah. you'll figure out some way not to enjoy it, but there. I'm sure some people didn't yeah. enjoy it. Like, like, all, all our fans just have slavery, sex, and everything, and be okay. Right. <laughs> so, I, so I, I will be reaching out to a friend of mine who's a psychologist who can help you work through that shit. <laughs> that's some. That's some. Deep is, is he also able to prescribe him some drugs too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean the, the Viagra type? Yeah, the man, <laughs> anything. You can, gas station drugs. Gas station drugs. Any drugs prescribe him. Well, even even in that, but like you, you got me thinking about like the the way black women were treated in slavery. They're still property. White women, in many regards, were also a form right. of property, but property with um, some rights or some value that, like the the slaves, you know, what I'm saying was property that was just could be you know thought of in the realm of a disposable, like the same way that you would you know uh, just throw some discard and throw some away. Um, kill it if you wanted to do whatever you wanted to whereas the white woman had the the protections of like if you wrong this property there will be repercussions for this property on a much greater level than if you wrong my slave property and from those starting points in this country to see like kind of how those psyches of these two different you know these women but two different you know uh, origins of women have evolved like you can extrapolate you know yeah. i think a good amount from that and it's uh you can well and the other part is just man being caught said that you're beautiful like to have a whole motherfucking country tell you you're beautiful all the damn time will make mm. you feel yourself like that's the reason why black men feel themselves right like this shit is like we are like people be like you know they hate us but they be like oh motherfuckers are fine though you know what i'm saying like, even though like you know so just having that thing where you feel like you are the shit like it really does reinforce it and i think 
that uh, that's a piece that uh, as a yeah. father to two young black women, right? Or, you know, as a father to two women and, and thinking about sort of what it means to be a black woman, a woman, it's like, yeah. you know, how do we do that? Because that's the weirdest shit that I always think is that men feel like the chastity of their young girls is their responsibility. And I thought that's the most pedophilic piece of shit I've ever got. It's like, they'll be like, I gotta protect that. Because no one else is like, nah, bro, it should be, you should want them to feel like the best humans that they can feel. And sexuality is a part of that, right? And I think that's a part of what it is. So when you have a patriarchal worldview, right? When you have this fathered worldview where you see sexuality as a thing that you are protecting or releasing or whatever, and you're like, like you well, control. It's under your control, right? I want I want someone who's never giving it up to nobody except for mm-hmm. my hole. Like I want my hole to be giving it up anytime, right? And so it's mm-hmm. this weird sort of thing when you don't allow folks to self determine their own sexuality mm-hmm. when it's your control. That's that's the challenge of patriarchal worldview on sexuality. But that's Pedro's sex life. We call we call him one hole Pedro. Got it. Well, that might be the sheet hole. He don't even know what's underneath that sheet hole. No, 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 no. I, I I can. Yeah, it could be a core, uh, a bowl of warm jello. It could be a warm cobbler. So, what other warm jello? That's all you got. What other holes should I go in? Brother, I, I do think that the psychologist obviously it sound like it sound like it sound like it sound like the LA Unified School District failed you. In your I health class, know, dude. It, it, no, I was I, when I was in health class, I seen a picture of a beautiful. It was a picture of two eggs on one. It was one egg on one side and another egg on the other side, and it was a long tube. I don't know what they have uh, okay. You know why they probably did that? Because they figure at Crenshaw High, everybody's having sex anyway. So no, he probably is. Yeah, I know who taught him his sex ed class. It was uh, Donald Sterling of the AIDS uh, epidemic. What has he done? Can you tell me? Big Magic Johnson. What has he done? Well, yes, he's a business person. He he's uh, got AIDS. <laughs> Magic Johnson. What is he? What has he done? I don't know how he did it. We went through. We went through health during the middle of the AIDS. We were in tenth grade when Magic Johnson made that announcement. That's the year you had the health class. Obviously, they felt Pedro mm. that year. <laughs> they they really spent time that year. They spent time teaching us because they wanted to make sure we was being Party as safe as possible. Midnight tonight. The sheriff's department will no longer detain. Who was that? Okay. That was a new soundbite. That's why I got quiet. Like, listen to this one. Jared got a new soundbite up. I got a new, I got some new soundbites playing. What, what was that? It started, what, what was that? A news blurb about something? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was, what was that about? I'm trying breaking to think news. Breaking, breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, it was just another thing about uh, just black people in America. Okay. You know, I was, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of these clips that are coming in, just like, you know, talk to try to give people the context of what this decision really looks like, and 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 it's really um, it really further explains that like I mean, it's it's the best example of gaslighting. It's like all right, see the issue is now we have this reverse racism thing, right? That's basically being racist in reverse, right? Mm-hmm. This is an argument your six-year-old would make to go get pizza, right? Or or to get candy before they have dinner or some shit. Like we gonna we gonna just reverse, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna have it's the same thing, right? But it's just reverse. And so that's just this crazy thing mm-hmm. that doesn't acknowledge the impact of systemic racism from slavery through things like the Homestead Act, through things like separate but equal, right? 
all of these things that we had, these moments America had to do better, right? And I think that's an opportunity that Barack Obama did represent. And, and I understand the critique of him, but he he represented an opportunity for America to do better. And in yeah. the face of that opportunity, we choose to do the thing that doesn't really fucking matter. Because I'm going to be clear with you, I'm American as fuck. And, and there was a time where I wanted to leave this country and I was really frustrated and like, fuck this place, right? The same way all the black folks are leaving California now, like, in, you know, moving to places that have smaller GDPs, that have less money. And I, I was like, we got to just stop getting caught up by this whole uh, storytelling, right? The reality is this is our country. Our people have fought and died for it much more so than many other groups who are here claiming the resources that we have. It's necessary for us to claim the things that we are due. And so it requires us to be in the business of storytelling. And so we just need to do better at articulating the issue here. And, And the issue is, is that, uh, you know, when you look at America, right, we know what the impact of this whole thing was. In Michigan, they got rid of affirmative action. They went from 7% of Black folks in college to 4%. And in yeah. California, we got rid of affirmative action. We went from 7% of Black folks there to 3.43%, right? Less than half of that uh, number went down and got chopped. And so the reality was, is that we already were representing less than the percentage of the populations in these states, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of being at 7%, but now we're going down even further. And then the truth is that the people who took those spots are not your good old fashioned white people, right? It ain't poor white folks who are taking these spots. These spots were filled by foreigners. They were filled by Asian folk. They were filled yeah. by the people who are doing better uh, already uh, through these systems, right? And so I think that we just have to really tell better stories, right? To help people understand it. Like, you're not going to free the spots. You're trying to free spots. Then let's stop giving away legacy shit. Like, those people are idiots, some of them. Like, think about mm-hmm. W, who seed his way through college, but he's a legacy guy, right? So these are the things that I think we just have to tell better stories. And so for me, I agree. being reactive there's no real upside to that shit. So for me, like, I'm not really, I mean, I, I feel that it's just, it's a sad day in the same way when those people went underneath the, the sea and they died. Like, that's a sad day. But we lost this Supreme Court battle when we allowed Trump to, to get those people elected. So we lost it yeah. because we decided in the short term, mm-hmm. fighting against, you know, Hillary Clinton, who is fucking racist, right? To be right, clear. Right. Her policies, Biden policies were bad for black folk. There was a racist ass policies, but in the short term, I like have the three strike law. Well, I mean, I amen to all of these. Right, I'm saying there's so much there. What constitutes a felony, though? Yeah, <laughs> that's the, that might be the other issue, though. But I mean, you think about because California is at the forefront of all of these things. So California, the most progressive, you know, state in the union is at the forefront of all of these things. So to be clear, I think we have to be critical of our friends in the same way we do the people who are not. And so for me, it's like, I, I was talking to someone and they were like, you know, the lesser of two evils, lesser two evils. And I was like, the lesser of two evils is not a long-term strategy. The lesser two evils is a short-term strategy. It is yeah. the best, the most correct short-term strategy there is. Lesser two evil in yeah. a moment. I got a cop who shoot me or I got a cop who arrest me. Arrest mm-hmm. me, please. Right? Like, sure. less mm-hmm. two evil. Like, but it don't mean I, I don't want to go to jail. But I shit, think a lot of I'd people, the plan stops there. They're like, I did my part. We voted. We got somebody in here. 
And a lot of people so, just disengage because so I got this we're controlled or you know we have things to distract us. So I, I got this question: Do you think it was Obama's fault for not really campaigning or that that team campaigning for Hillary in the Midwest? That why we lost a lot of these. <laughs> no, because I don't think I don't think Obama would have would have got Hillary those votes. Yeah, and to be clear, Hillary set him on the bench. He didn't. He didn't do it. Mm-hmm. To be he clear, him. Hillary did not take him to task. I mean, this is any of the this is the either. Democratic. Um, what do you call? Uh, this is Democratic Party. So you're trying to protect the party. So you do what you can. Um, no, I'm saying that Hillary didn't ask party. for him. Though. He didn't ask for her. She wanted she him. To, she was. She was afraid that he would lose votes because he was black and because he was, you know, because yeah, okay. Numbers, so. so look at the look at the t- statistics of that. Uh, Obama may have been until all the hate. Came out, all the rah rah hate came out. May have been the most popular president ever. Well, I mean, he was among black people for sure. But I, well, I, mean, I, think, I mean, but that's I think, you got black people, but, you have white like women, and you have uh, every minority. And plus, those people like that sprinkle in there. I don't think she, but Obama would have got Hillary to vote that she, that he, that she lost. The state she lost, Obama wasn't gonna. That, that, that that they already were exactly, reacting. My thing is they already reacting negatively to Obama being no, president. No, 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 states no, no, like no. Ohio, states like Pennsylvania, who went to Obama, who and they, Obama and they won. also and they, he was also down in the polls when um he was going for re-election. What did he do? Go Bang got him right back because Obama got a slick mouth. He can he talk does, but I don't know if that would have any I think decision. We have he got the, them votes in the second term. But it's the overcorrection. It's the over. It's the, it's it's like everybody always overcorrects for everything, right? Yeah. Like when I had when I had a girlfriend that had no friends, I was like, okay, my next girlfriend got to have friends, and I overdid it. I went with the girlfriend, the girl that, the woman who 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 shit. I mean, I was like, damn, who don't you know, right? Like every time we go out, she telling me, let's go on a date. And next thing I know, five of her friends show up or somehow we end up running into them and she's saying, oh, yeah, hang out with this the whole night. Everybody overcorrects. And I think you had a lot of people who were who voted for Obama, who might still have some racist undertones in their life, who were like, oh, no, we're overcorrecting now. No, 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 no. I'm just saying might because I'm just not. I'm just not. If I don't know, I'm not going to go. They probably do. He can't be this naive. Right? I, I'm, looking I'm at, not being naive. I just don't. Right I just, now, I, I don't. I don't. I never dance to how someone hey, look, really thinks. I have a white woman friend. Aaron don't have the like Chinsia to say they racist right now. Right. <laughs> That's not, one, you're not using the def, the term. <laughs> at least I might have pronounced it wrong, but I used it right though. I just I want to use lot chitterins. chitterins. You got some lot chitterins in the building, because <laughs> well, probably. One thing they, that you, always, you, you in Birmingham, they got some like chitlins down there. Yes, one, sir. one thing that I do think is that I think everyone in our country has been racialized, so has more or less racist um, beliefs either being put on them or they're hearing it, it's imprinting yeah, on them, or they, so they've internalized clear, certain racist racist yeah. things. Like I mean, Clarence so, fucking Thomas, right? Like we got a plenty yeah. of black folks who are yeah, out we got there a game. I got a game page a little bit later, but but I think that. I think oh, where it, where I think there's kind of a, I don't know if it's a misnomer or it's just it's being it's a piece of rhetoric that is so like it's in our history it's in the knowledge base um and it's it's in our you know our cultural you know space that we throw that word around to like be the worst part of our country or perceived worst part of our country even though it is still very active in how it 
shapes us or shapes our institutions and impacts real people's lives. But I think that like a lot of times people are like that's reverse racism or there that's 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 racist. And I'm like, well, I don't know if it's racist, but I think it could be bigoted or this like I think there is a difference. Well, people are like, I'm not racist. I'm like, well, you are racialized. So you could be recycling or perpetuating racist tropes and beliefs that you've you know been have been imprinted on you. Does it mean that you're a bigot, though, that you actually hate that person for because they're that? Not necessarily. And I think people think that because if you're racist, you're a bigot no like there's racist things that you can do or say or engage in racist activities or behaviors it doesn't make you a bigot now there are there is a difference between a bigot and a racist there is a much overlap i would say but i think that's where a discernment needs to be actually like spoken into like you know our communities and our society about like where is the differentiations because a lot of times you say some that was racist that people get so defensive it shuts down the entire conversation well race doing something racist doesn't mean that you are a bigot or a hateful person means that no. you are perpetuating so a, it's, a form of racism. So, so definitions matter. So I'm going to get into this and we spend a lot of time. So I'm an ethnic studies professor. We do a lot of time because words matter. Right. And so mm. to understand that bigotry actually is a lesser of the offenses. So the idea of having a bigoted perspective, all of those things are born, born out of uh, anecdotal or lived experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So your mama told you, your pastor told you, you lived this experience. And so you have a worldview that we can label as bigoted. It doesn't necessarily you know, mean, uh, and, and that, that bigoted perspective can be racialized. Right? So it can be based mm-hmm. off of something which we would call racist, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know that, uh, you know, it doesn't, being, having a bigoted perspective doesn't make you uh, a bad person. And, and oftentimes what I try to get to people is to understand why people come to that, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the issue now is something that I heard a brother said. He said that like, when you know something, you can no longer believe it anymore, right? The belief and knowledge can't exist in the same space, right? Because mm-hmm. knowledge, it comes from facts and beliefs come from the hope or the vision or the, and I think that a lot of the bigoted perspectives you see articulated are not based off of facts. They're based off of these lived experiences, anecdotal experiences, right? That like ends up and people call it wisdom. And that's the thing that like, you know, it's this old school thing, like they call wisdom shit. They don't have any proof, right? And they call, you know, knowledge facts are the things that are question, question the facts, right? And the reality is, as an academic, uh, a fact is about this moment in time, right? There's a fact that the Oakland A's are in Oakland. And that's a fact that's only true for a little bit, right? Because this motherfucker is about to leave us. So they're going to be going, right? And so it can still fall through. It could still fall through. <laughs> it could still fall through. It could still, it could still, <laughs> there is a 0.001% chance you are correct, sir, which is why, you know, that's my reality, belief. That should be, yeah. I believe that it can fall through, right? But the facts line up to say that, that you know, in the moment, we know for a fact they are in Oakland and that we know that, that, that you know, that it is most likely they will end up somewhere else. And I think that that's where rhetoric really becomes important. And I think both for people who are conservative, who, uh, you know, are are influenced by anecdotal uh, forces that sort of lead them to believe racist ass shit. Um, in the same way for progressives were influenced by forces that lead them to believe racist ass shit. Because the truth is, I know some people who supported Trump and who feel duped and were frustrated. 
frustrated and were like, I, I've made a bad choice. I feel bad. In the same way, uh, I know a lot of Republicans who supported Obama who had buyer's remorse uh, after that as well. So I'm saying yeah. to you that like the reality is, I think that we have to understand, and this is something I'm going to say to you, this is so important to me. As Americans, we have more in common than we have that separates us. Mm-hmm. And I think that tactically, our mistake is we focus so much on picking each other apart that we lose in the f- uh, track with the fact that uh, China is allied with Russia, is allied with Saudi Arabia, and they're making a move on the globe right now. And we are caught up in fucking with shit that don't matter mm-hmm. and fighting each other over shit that don't matter instead of focusing on what what truly is the enemy of our way of life. Like foundationally, the biggest change in America will be uh, where the dollar is not the currency of the world. The biggest change will be when the yen is the currency of the world. That is going to hit us harder than all this bullshit that we're focused on now. And I just think that's the foundational issue I have with where we are uh, as a people, as a country. And so for me, my, my desire, my wish for Black folks is to just focus on doing stuff to sort of lift us up, right? So I'm a professor at CSU system. I'm working on this project called the Black Excellence Project. And our job, our goal is to try to uh, include, uh, increase enrollment, increase retention, increase graduation of Black folks, mm-hmm. uh, and to build pathways to work for Black folks in California, right? So that we can keep Black folks in California uh, because we understand the value of diversity. It's not about tokenage the way that people understand it. It's about the fact that we have different people in the audience that we're trying to sell to. And the more people we have making shit that understands that diversity, the better, uh, the more shit we're going to sell, right? So it's a capitalistic principle, diversity is. It's a financial principle. And so I think that's the arguments that I'm making right now that tactically put me in alignment with business, that tactically uh, put me in alignment with other groups who can also benefit from this sort of focus. And so that's where I'm at right now. I mean, I'm lifting Black folks through uh, finding alignment and finding partnerships that does it. And I think that, uh, yes, the SCOTUS shit sucks. It's a reflection of America's shifting right, uh, shifting right, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't mean that I have less in common with those folks than I did. And I think that's the piece that I come at people with. I'm like, fuck it. All right. Y'all disagree with me on that. But uh, overall, we don't want the end to take over, right? So we need to get refocused. And so we need to graduate people. We need to build uh, a strong workforce. And I think that's the type of leadership we need is to get people out of this sort of dichotomy bullshit and into the work that really helps us. And I think having freaky sex is the key to that. Yeah, freaky. Wait a minute, I was about to ask you a serious <laughs> question about. I like how he brought it back so to black. Yeah, kinky. brought it back to freaky sex, and I was going to ask you a serious question about how do we bring black people into the more of a tech, technological, um, way of earning money, and more of a uh, you know instead of just being entertainers. Because I I'm getting tired of the the entertain like hey don't don't get tired of that wealth creating industry fuck wrong with you I mean you got no, okay don't be fucking with the I money mean, bro I'm saying, that the- can't be the only way that's like the only way out for black people that's what just no. our kids it's not yeah. though it's a lot it's a that's a false narrative as well. The majority of black people are not making their money being basketball players and baseball players and fucking 
No, 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 no. But I'm no, saying, no, no. I'm saying that the majority of us are this. lawyers. No, no, I'm just saying that. Yeah. I'm saying, but the story is, I'm, I'm just saying it's dangerous for us to be repeating the story as that that's we need. I'm, I'm not tired of them making money. A lot of them are 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 investing in bakers. Uh, chefs and they spend a lot of money in their communities. And so it's really good to have that revenue in. But I do agree with you. We do need to build alternative uh, paths to work. And here's my answer. Right now, technology is at a new place. And so it's really at a place where nobody's really got their hands around uh, things like VR, right? Or AI, right? That stuff is really, people are still trying to get their hands around it. So it's a great opportunity for us to expose Black folks to it because nobody else is ahead of them on any of that work. And so to me, that's what I'm doing. So the work I'm doing is building STEM, STEAM opportunities for Black folks to build pathways to work, uh, choosing industries that are really hot in the area that we're in and preparing our kids for it and connecting them with uh, with people so they can see themselves as scientists in junior high, high school, community college, all the way through college. They can see themselves as scientists, see a pathway to work. Uh, that's I'm with you. I, I totally agree oh, with that. Yeah, I'm told, yeah, that. yeah, no, yeah. See, I know what was going on and how you was going about that. That's exactly what I've been talking about. But uh, but I but Colin Kaepernick want to cut a check, Colin. Thank you, brother. If you wanna, if you wanna support this work, right. I'm so right. glad. Tyler you got Perry, that you wanna cut a check? Uh... <laughs> right. Medea. OJ Simpson, you want to cut a check? <laughs> OJ broke. He Man, got OJ, so he got his pension. He got his pension. He got a lot of money took. How do you think OJ sitting up in golf courses making videos, Jerry? He got a pension, man. He yeah, got, he got money. Some money. OJ he got ain't broke. Yeah, but yeah. no, but he ain't got the money like he once did. It's all good, man. We are, we all we all get humbled, right? And that's I the still, other piece, I'll man. Still take a check. We all get well, you know, I, th I think what Pedro is getting at is, yeah, like the, the, the bigger the bigger blanket or scheme of what is like we were talking about, like what's um, what's presented to you as a means of opportunity or what is. Yeah. What what is being thrown at you most consistently as 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 your way to be successful yep. is, you know, varies based upon how you identify with this very image based uh, media system, I think. So, yep. like, how do you identify and where do you see your avenues? And I think that that's I think that's what Pedro is getting at. And I think it, it had a, another question kind of leads into another question I have for you. So, like with black people in the amount of blood, sweat and tears and, and just the work that they put in labor and time into, you know, having built the foundations of this country and these markets, um, there, there, there is a certain level of, I would say, entitlement. Like we are entitled to things that we haven't, we were, we were promised, you know, I'm saying, uh, reparations, right. Or promised that uh, 40 acres in the mule. We, 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 we are entitled to our fair share, um, which we've been legislated out of, uh, racistly or, you know, you know, creatively, yeah. but so how do we control a narrative or what what, is, right. what would be a creative way for us to create a narrative that we, you know, express our entitlement or we, you know, present our what we are entitled to without being once again spun and flipped to being, yeah. you know, what I'm saying to to uh, what, what are some of the the the, the, the ways long winded they... question, Jerry. I, I just, just uh, yeah. what are some of the Jay, ways you can't ask the question after a long. <laughs> what are some of the ways like, like, they, they'll spin the narrative like now you're being loud and uppity, you know, the uppity Negroes, you know what I'm saying? Loud and flashy, you know what I'm saying? You haven't earned it, this, that, and the other. Um, 
is ways that they will they will spin it when we yeah. do when black people do affirm themselves and step forward and say I am entitled to this that and the other like what like in your way you know working in media what would be you know an effective avenue or or methodology for that. So one of the, it's two things. First of all, I, I appreciate your long ass question, and I'm gonna do my best to address that shit as a professional that I am, despite the fact that it didn't make no goddamn sense. But that's cool. Thank you. It's cool. Uh, so so I would say that one thing, just speaking of the work that I'm doing. So the Black Excellence Project is really centered at CSU. So we launched this at Cal State East Bay. And the goal was to center Black student stories. So it was just Black student success stories to, as a counter narrative to the notion of what Black folks in education, like people say, but it's such an hard thing and people are struggling, right? And it's true based off the percentages Black folks do struggle through, through higher ed. So telling those stories of how people made it, but then them sharing how they made it, right? As a way to inspire people who are looking to enroll, it's inspiring people who are currently enrolled, inspiring people to graduate. So I think that is a part of it. So I think we do need to shift the storytelling. And what I'm trying to push the CSU to do, the Chancellor's Office to do for the whole CSU, is to change that narrative, right? Lifting up, and that's at the core of what we do. But beyond changing the narrative, we need to also make sure that the Black students' lived experiences in these spaces are different, right? So listening to the words they say and looking at resourcing the type of changes that they lift up. In particular, what I'm doing is identifying assets that the students say work for them, particular faculty members, particular program, particular departments, that they say it helped them to achieve success, figuring out how do we amplify those things, how do we find the right partners for those things, how do we get resources to those assets. So as opposed to taking a deficit approach, which is about, I always tell people that I don't want to be a firefighter. I think they're cool people, but it's not my shit. I'm a gardener, right? So I'm looking at planning assets, right, and, and cultivating assets as opposed to looking at the shit that's not going well and fighting and chopping it down and trying to fight. So that's my energy in a way that I flow. And that's what I believe is an answer on one of those fronts. You know, I think the other part of this though, you know, in, in the long-windedness that you were trying to get to into like some shit that you were saying <laughs> in the pile of grits uh, <laughs> is, um, is that we have to, love ourselves in a different way. Like it's just a real foundational storytelling piece to understand that like black folks are overrepresented in uh in terms of uh elected officials, right? We tell the story of struggle oftentimes, but we don't lift those things that are awesome, right? Uh, and black folks were among the leaders of computer science as it evolved, right? There's some great, great figures that we can point to that did great work. And I think that's a part of it too. So moving outside of Cal State East Bay and, and, and the rest of the CSUs that we're trying to storytell, I think we need to hear more of those stories of black greatness, uh, not as a MOK figure, right? Like not in these like sort of comic book as figures, but into regular as people that people can identify with, people who uh, sort of built things for their family and built wealth for their families. Because the truth is, is that uh, being in America affords us a lot of opportunities. And it's, you know, the, the myth of, of access to the, the American dream really requires him to let a few people actually access the American dream, right? So it's really just us getting up on game, preparing the next generation for game. It requires us to be leaders, right? It requires us to stop. I, 
being popular, right? To stop yeah. running against oppression and that fucked up shit. People doing so many fundraisers based off the of SCOTUS decision. Fuck that. I don't need to raise money off of that. Like, again, that's just them being them. It reminds us of what our duties have to be in the short term, right? To choose the lesser of two evils so that we can get a better step. But mm-hmm. our long-term and our mid-range and long-term strategies have to be about identifying assets and about resourcing those assets so that we can build to a better future. And I think the upside is what, what the brother said earlier. is like We have an opportunity to pivot into technologies that haven't been developed yet. We had an opportunity to pivot into industries that are at the precipice of growing. And so uh, let's just be great. The fuck, we've done it so many times. We put our energy into that as opposed to being mad and then going to fuck back to your sorry ass job, right? Or going to drink beer with your friends and shit, just being mad. Fuck being mad, bro. It's time to get to work. Y'all got me. I'm in this. And let's just get to work. And if people are confused, right? The people don't know People get confused and they don't know what they should be doing. And I'm happy to point you to people who are leading in that area, man. Let's get it. I, I mean, that's what I feel right now. I feel like we just got to get out of this whole thing of being like a, a fighting against shit all the time. And we need to get into the thing of knowing what we stand for, right? Like, and it's just, it's a blessing. That feels so much better to be fighting for an asset than it does to be fighting against uh, you know, a deficit. And so that's being, yeah, being a fixer all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for oh, that long ass question, Jared. Now I forgot <laughs> what I wanted to ask. Well, I tell you, I'm glad to hear you say that because you know what? I, I'm, I, I battle people too, especially some of our brothers that I tell, look, I'm an American man. I had a family member fight in Vietnam, lost one, had two uncles, had family. My my, my uncles, my mom's uh, uncles are all fought in World War II. I, I'm American as, as I, I don't have no place else, right? I wasn't born. My parents weren't born someplace else. I don't have to know. I have nowhere else I relate to. You're a man right? with no country. I, I'm a man with this country. That's all. No, oh, man. no, no, it don't belong to you. It don't belong to black folks. It don't belong to anybody. You. I hear you saying that <laughs> shit. Who the fuck? If it don't belong to us, who the fuck does belong, it belong and then to? Then it don't belong to anybody. The indie Jesus. May white God bless you, Robert. Why Jesus? But here's Beautiful. the thing. Like I said, I, I like to hear you. I'm glad you said those things. This is, this is, this is all I got. I said the same thing when people were coming talking to me about the Supreme Court decision. I said, I told people that I talked to about that call me. He's like, can you believe this? And I said, oh, how am I not supposed to believe it? You see who the Supreme Court justice is? I was like, we're, we're just in a conservative time. There's other people that made lived in those conservative times. Maybe you're not used to it, but we're back yep. in it again. Right? And, there, and, there, and there, there were, uh, you know, liberal black folk who made millions in conservative times. Let's be clear. <laughs> like, that's the focus. The focus has to be on winning and not like necessarily yes. Yes. On, on the struggle. So, I get it, and it deserves focus, right? But it I does, think but you're not going to change the you're not going to change the Supreme Court's opinion right now, right? Instead of fighting against it, like you said, you go ahead and you 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 strive for those other things, those other things we got right now. Like when someone told me, "Oh man, you see what happened?" I was like, "Well, I mean, I was at a UC, I was at UC Berkeley from '94. You know, I started '94, '95, '209, and all that passed, and it was shut down. So I already saw the effects. It already affected me then, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like." Like and people can still strive and make it and make it forward and make it through. Most definitely. And I mean, you know, I think it's easy to focus on what you don't have. 
Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's one of the pieces that I try not to put my energy into. I mean, you have the freedom to pursue as many white women as you want, Jared. And that's really <laughs> a, a blessing. I mean, I'm serious as fuck. Every day I, I am like, disappointed <laughs> in what I don't have, what I have not achieved. Right. But I'm saying that's the, the, the freedom you have to do that is actually not available to you in every space. There are certain people mm -hmm. you're not allowed to date. Uh, certain people you were not allowed to be with if you were in certain places. And so I think that that's a piece yeah. that's important. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't protest. It doesn't mean that we don't stand up against it, right? Because it's important mm -hmm. uh, in a way, like the same way that Barack getting voted in was important. I agree with Brother P. Funk. You know, I don't know that he did a whole bunch of shit, but he did a whole bunch of shit. Because uh, there's a, aesthetically and then there's functionally, right? So we live mm -hmm. in these worlds. So aesthetically, he changed the fucking game. Aesthetically, there is now a black man on that whole list of white men who ran this country, there's a black man there. And aesthetically, that was a shit. Expanded the capacity, you know. Functionally, he didn't move us far away from those core values. A lot of black people got killed under Barack Obama by cops, right? So there was mm -hmm. no magic, you know, there's no Barack magic Negro effect that we expected it to all come. Military up. industrial complex, you know, continue to expand and, and, and grow. Spying yeah. on Americans. Yeah. Yeah, That's, he, he uh, did that for his buddies in uh, his corporation. You know, his corporation buddy. Hey, we need yeah. but, but <laughs> so go, yeah. him under the bus, man. He did it for no, his no, corporation. No, no. He did it. Am I? Where am I tell, not telling the truth? He's he's got to do favors to stay. You know, stay in the park. How you get? Well, well, campaigning costs money. <laughs> it, it does. Well, but 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 politics. So politics is designed in the same way that the middle class was designed, right? So the middle class is designed to give people the illusion of upward mobility. Mm. And so in it, on the edges, you do see some of that upward mobility. And in politics, you do see the ability to make some changes. But really, it was designed, this whole system was built for corporations, right? Corporations were created <laughs> at the foundation of the country, right? So the capitalism is the, at the core of our democracy. And, and capitalism mm -hmm. and democracy are not necessarily the best bedfellows, right? But mm -hmm. that is, it was created in that way. So yeah, this thing is designed that way in the same way that for us to act like affirmative action is not necessary because we act as if the system was designed to treat everybody equally. It was not. It was designed to treat people differently. Education evolved to keep the have-nots trained to serve the haves, right? Yeah. Uh, the evolution of Black humanity in this country was from slavery, right, uh, through uh, through the present, right? And so that Black humanity went on that same journey. So it's not like anything has shifted, right? These things have often stayed the same. I think that we have just been in time where the ebb has been awesome and it's felt good because we felt so much different, right? Uh, I always say the history is not linear. It's like the ocean. Right. And so I think that when we're in it and the ocean is surging, you feel like there's no limit to what you're doing. But for me, I understand that it's about to be recession. It does it every time. Right. The, every time the moon shifts, you're going to go back. Right. And, and that so, was my question towards you with, when trying to get, um, uh, you know, get the younger youth and having, you know, having them earn, you know, have different avenues of earning money. Us being behind the eight ball now with all this casino climate um, money that was injected during COVID, um, I was going to ask you what, how does it, how, how are you able to get funding with people that 
Um, they're, they're, you know, it's a little less. It's a little less out here now for people. It, yeah. It's so I don't. The cost yeah. transportation's high. Uh, yeah. Cost of living's high. So how do you how do you navigate that uh, in this in this time? California is the fourth largest economy in the world. And so, yes, we are down, but fuck, we got a shitload of money. So I think the idea is really moving away from the deficit mindset holistically. So I am an asset-based person on all fronts. And it comes to getting resources. I talk to people and I'll be like, yeah, you know, y'all took how many million dollars from Black folks who you didn't give degrees to, right? So I go to the chancellor's office and I'm like, so I know y'all y'all have a big deficit issue, but y'all can't keep taking money for black people and not giving them degrees, right? Because uh-huh. we do that, that's bad PR. That story doesn't play very well, right? So, you know, just for me, I see an opportunity. I see assets as opposed to seeing that. And I know I also come at it a different way because I guess being a black man from Alabama, uh, I have a little bit of a, a sense of like, I understand that like, my conservative brothers and sisters, actually, we mostly want the same thing, right? We just see the world differently, right? So you understand that, and you understand that I could find an, uh, a friend in any room, right? That's something my mama gave me, right? I could find a friend in any room. So the idea is let's find those things tactically where we are aligned, and let's find a way to get at this, uh, you know, that same goal together. So I think that you know, for me. You know, that's what I see. I don't think that there's a lack of resources. I think there's a lack of resources, which means that people get more selective about where they spend their dough. But if you've got a good idea, good ideas are going to get funded always, right? The, the bad ideas, which would have got funded in an economy that's more robust, no longer get funded. But good ideas are always going to be funded and necessary. That's a so. So are you telling me a bad idea is having a fast food, uh, soul food restaurant with a drive-thru? I mean, that's a very specific I had, example. I had a great, a really a good underfunded idea. I was going to, uh, you know, start a microwave quesadilla restaurant. And uh, nobody yeah. wanted to put in on that. But like Taco Bell beat you to that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They got, but they also got much better, much better microwaves than what I could afford <laughs> from my yeah, funding. He, he come with the the school, the, the microwave left in the school's uh, staff lounge. <laughs> yeah, some teacher moved on and upgraded. I was gonna so. call it "What's the Dealer." I thought it was gonna be a good spot. No, I think any in, any good idea will get funded. You know, especially a good, a good idea with the right people in place. Maybe mm-hmm. Jared wasn't the right person for the microwave idea, but any any good uh, you know any good idea with the right people in place are going to get funded. So that's where I live. I live in that space, and, and so I have found that it, it's worked out. You know, for me, and, and so whenever I run into an idea that I pitch and it doesn't get funded, I accept the reality that I was probably not the right person or it was not the right moment. Right. So you just have to mm-hmm. be humble in that sense. And pivot to the next thing because the reality is, is there's always a thing. That I think that's hard. Uh, it's one of the harder things. Like as a younger person, as growing into your young adulthood, there is this concept of stasis. Like, you know, like the cartoons I saw as a kid, I thought, man, it's been on forever, man. I want my parents. You know, you think that these things have these longer windows as you're, you know, saying growing up in the world, and that that imprints on you and affects the way you, you know, I think you you engage the world. But like, there's so much that's always changing. There's so many things that have their runs, that have their windows. So many, you know, like you said, failed ideas that come back around to end up, you know, catching later on. Um, and so have like, I think instilling that kind of that framework or that knowledge base into our youth will be so valuable. That wisdom into our youth to be able to like, yeah, things aren't stasis. Things are 
you know, ever changing. It's hard for a young mind to, you know, wrap your head around that comes with age and experience. But I think that and the sense of gratitude, I think our country for sure is based on, we're saying entitled, our country has the American dream and, you know, you, you can live, you know, this is the greatest country in the world. You can live your best life. So people without understanding the type of work that goes into it and this, you know, the moving parts that, that make these, the society work, um, you know, you get people who become, um, you know what I'm saying, complacent or, or, or disenfranchised a lot easier. And I think the people in power want that to happen. They want there to be a dissonance or, uh, uh, this, this non-alignment with the spouses of our ideals and the actuality that people live through. And then, and that comes also with like, you know, knowledge. So, um, I think that, yeah, the more we kind of teach our, the foundations of like gratitude, like you're saying, and like being appreciative of what we do have. So we see it not from what we don't have, but what we do have and what we, what, what can be great and what we can do with what we have um, on top of like, this is my time. This is our time. And, and, and as families, as people like transcending through these periods of time together to yeah, continue to grow and cultivate um, as, as a philosophy would be, it'd be tight. But then again, I just watch a regular internet all the time. And I see, you know, people twerking with children in a pool last week. So, yeah. well, I think that uh, not in a yes, a boss sort of way. Right. But but in really in a way that really is appreciative. Right. And, and I think, you know, I think it's really about us getting knowledge, mm. uh, you know, and really embracing this whole knowledge of what the fuck is going on in the world that we're in. Right. And in France right now, what's going on. Right. So the reality is, is that we realize that that, you know, some of the stuff that you're struggling with may not be an American thing. It could not be a California thing or, or a Texas thing, right? That these, some of these things are global things. There's a power to that to help you understand that there's a context there that shifts your tactics away from being localized tactics to understanding that there's global sense, that I can go look for resources outside of the country, right? Because I may have brothers and sisters in Africa who understand the struggle that we're having, and they see the value of lifting up Black folks in America that may help them, right? That narrative, that story, that pathway we blaze might help their country. So understanding we may have our lives outside of the spaces we sit. And I think that's the powerful thing of an asset-based mindset, right? It, it's you start looking for solutions as opposed to living in the problems. And I think, you know, I most definitely am at the, uh, you know, at the uh, mid to later side of, of this work, right? And so for me, it's just like, I, I feel like, you know, it's time for me to teach young brothers that, is that we, Black folks, man, have an amazing story. It's an amazing story. Uh, and, and it started with, you know, some very hardship. But the fact that we were able to have the trajectory we had based off of that beginning is an amazing story. It's something to be proud of. And I think it really, uh, that's the stuff. We have assets in our community. We do. And I think that's the piece that's important. I had this, I posted this thing the other day. Uh, it was this, uh, I think it was, uh, was uh, La Russell was, was playing at mm -hmm. the Mirror Park. Uh, and uh, in it, you know, he dropped the N word like many times. And then I was like thinking to myself, uh, many conversations I've had with scholars, right, who are like, oh, man, you can't be supporting that. You can't lift up work. And I was like, man, if we're my dad told me that those people who control the rhetoric control society. 
and that we as black folk cannot ignore each other because we don't like the words that we use. We have to really understand and get to the meaning of what it's about, right? And to hear what it is. And I think that it's a disservice for us not to listen to the wisdom of our youth just because the language we don't like, right? Uh, so I think that's the piece that one of the things I'm learning and I'm trying to be humble about, like, oh, just because they didn't say it the way I want to say it, because you may have saw it a little bit different because you're from the South or you're from Texas or you're from the Midwest or the Northeast or wherever, that I have to be better at listening so I can hear what it is your intentions are, uh, as opposed to uh, listening to the negative. Because if you're looking for deficits, you'll find them always. But if you're looking for assets, it sometimes requires a little bit extra work, right? For you to see those assets. And I, I think of you, all three of you as assets for our community. And hopefully I've added a little bit value in the time we spent together, uh, yeah. you know, because we're in this together, man. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, LaRussell has been, it's been, it's been great to see his growth and it being like, you know, all like pretty much him and his family doing it. Like, you know, like not, not selling out to, not, not selling out, but I say selling out, but not, you know, saying just falling into the typical, like just get signed by a label and let them control what you do and him really growing it organically. I've seen a couple artists um, that I've, um, you know, followed online that I, you know, see growing their following pretty organically and independently. And it's like, that's, you know, really dope and beautiful to see. I actually messaged him and he said he'd be down to do the show one of these days. So one of these days might be able to get you and him, LaRussell on the same time. And we'll work on, we'll work on that. We'll work on getting him on here. Um, awesome. Um, awesome. But um, uh, Mark Dean is uh, the the black man who, uh, had the computer that, that as Dave Chappelle said in uh, as Conspiracy Brother. The computer, another idea stolen from the black man. Mark Dean was the one who uh, worked IBM in the eighties and invented the PC. So bring that up. So I had to I look that up. He was part of our Black History Month Jeopardy last year. Aaron, remember that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, the, and and speaking on the N word, just real quick, I I had a conversation with a friend, and and he's he's not of the culture, so like, but for him, like the concept was like bl black and white, and I'm like, it's very nuanced. There's, and 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 one thing that I that I thought about, uh, you know, working now working in middle school, um, we got a lot, you know, these these young black boys are, you know coming into their own, you know, and, and you starting to hear the N word being thrown around as these young brothers are. And I don't know, it's, it, it, it is, it is a tough question of like, where do you say, Hey, like, what's our standard or how we're going to conduct ourselves. This is a place of education. This is a, you are in school. Um, so we want to conduct ourselves a certain way. Um, but also like when you are communicating and you're communicating with, you know, an, an, another person of color another another black person, let's say, and that word is coming up, like just be conscientious of who also is around you that's hearing it. Because mm -hmm. I think there is still some importance and value in that. Um, mm -hmm. Although it's in our music, although it's in the media, although it's, you know, I, I can go online and I can see videos of people, all different types of backgrounds using that word. Um, just like, I, I, that's, that's, I guess that's the lens that I'm coming at it from trying to be open to understanding, like there is, it it, it is become its own part of, American culture, black culture, and thus American culture. So like, how do we, I wouldn't say uh, govern it, but how do we effectively 
you know what I'm saying, utilize another component of our lived experience and language to express ourselves, to bring other communities into understanding us, but also like where do we also draw our lines of like what is what is sacred to us to some degree? And I don't know if yeah. the, the N-word is something that we consider sacred anymore or if, if that was ever something that we considered sacred, but th I think that there is a, a continued conversation amongst our community about how we um, how we utilize that work. Because I think it it um there is a value based in it that because there's a value placed on us as property that it, it it has some pervasive and just underlying themes that I, I think negatively or positively affect us based on when it's used who's using it and uh to the to the amount that it's being used in our society nowadays i think words matter i mean that's the piece that i tell people all the time words matter and so uh as uh as intellects I tell my students who have gone and they're now scholars, I was like, we have to stop co-signing on bullshit. Mm -hmm. So we as scholars, when you know something, you have a knowledge of something, you can't co-sign on bullshit. But then with that, uh, you also can't, uh, my dad always said that you're an educator to be a resource to your community. You got educated to be a resource to your community, not to necessarily lead your community, right? And so I think that when you're engaging with the community, you can't let rhetoric pull you apart, right? You can't be so bought into the system, right? Mm -hmm. That's a piece of systemic uh, mm -hmm. systemic racism, right? So like, I, you don't talk this way, so I don't accept you. You don't have any value. I think you miss out on uh, allies that way. So I think that we have to be more discerning about who we bring on. Like, so I am not gonna be using it in word in front of my classroom. Mm -hmm. I am not gonna be using it in word uh, you know, if I'm, I'm rocking to Rick Ross and I'm pulling up next to a, a young white kid next to me, I'm conscientious of that. In particular, if, if people know me as a professor in that moment, like I don't want to co-sign on bullshit, but I listen to Rick Ross, right? And, or, you know, there are moments where I may use the N-word with people depending on the context of it, right? And uh -huh. so I think it's really uh, nuanced and we have to not be, so in love with the with the master's language, right? That we lead things that way. I think it's important for me, like when I hear people say anti anti gay shit, I, you know, I am not making it every conversation where I'm calling them on it, right? Like it's just not constructive in the sense of like what I'm trying to build now. They know where I stand. I don't co-sign on the bullshit, right? I'm not like, oh, yeah, fuck them. Da, da, da. I'm like, you know, that's not my perspective. You know, if you ask me my opinion, I'm going to tell you my opinion, right? But, you know, I don't think it's my requirement that I lead on everything in that way. And, and oftentimes when you're trying to push your own agenda, your own dogma, you lose track of what your community needs, right? I'm a community servant. And the community don't need me to be... The, the guy, you know, the, the N-word police. The community don't need me to be the B-word police. The community don't need me to be the anti, you know, anti-gay police, right? So I, it's just not my, that's not what they need me to do. And so I don't uh, take away my resources to the, from the community just because I don't like the words that they're using. So it is a, uh, it's an important thing, I think, to not co-sign on bullshit, but to also uh, to not make everything be about that to the point that you lose out on having important conversations. Like I say, in America, we're having conversations about a lot of shit that don't really fucking matter because we're focused on the shit we don't agree on as oh. opposed to being focused on the shit we agree on. 
People in America should be able to work and make a fucking living. Yeah. Let's focus on that shit as a group. Like the whole America. We want to be able to make a living without working 12 jobs. Wouldn't it be awesome to work one motherfucking job that you half ass liked and to make mm-hmm. enough money to live off of? I'm saying that is the shit we should be fighting for together. Yeah. Fuck affirmative action. Everybody should have school paid for. Anybody that want to go to college should get fucking let into college, right? Maybe SCOTUS is working on that. They were like, we get rid of affirmative action because now everyone we everyone gets college free. Clack, clack. Next week, right. it's going to drop. Right, right. That could be, but, <laughs> yeah. but I'm saying, tactically, that's how we have to move. It's like, now we got new allies who, too, would just got their ass whooped. And so it gives us that. And I think that's the energy for me. When you're asset-based, then you don't, you can't be like the deficits. Like, oh, I don't like the N-word, so I'm going to be the N-word police. And I was like, nah, man, I I, I don't like the N-word for me, but like, man, uh, D-Smoke be kicking some lyrics. La Russell be kicking lyrics. And so they use that in their lyrics that they kick, but they still are talking about shit that has value. So I'm not going to be like, I'm not listening to them and all the brilliance they have because they use the N-word, but yet, I am not necessarily co-signing on it, right? So I'm not then also saying what's up, but I'm I'm conscious of that. So it's a, I don't know. That's the way I approach it, right? Because yeah. I believe like I don't want to shut down shit, but I also, man, I do agree, man. It's important that you know. I think the N word matters. I think that the N word as a, uh, you know, I think that it can be empowering, and you can do all that shit. But all that shit is just you justifying like some bullshit like it's not like it's not best it's not a best practice right to use the n-word as a way to describe ourselves that's not a best practice mm-hmm. that's the reason why i tried to put in astronaut what's up my astronauts <laughs> are you doing my i'm flying high motherfucker you know what i'm saying like that's what i like that shit i just just let's just come up with a new thing and make it fly as fuck like black people do mm-hmm. Yeah, we got some work to do uh, uh, to our community out there. Uh, give us a, a new word we can pre- replace the N word with that rolls up the tongue. Have you know that we can mm, flip it up? Uh, Pedro can't say astronaut. It's too many. Uh, All right, Jared, sound like you about to cross on something <laughs> silly. <laughs> um. Anyways, well, um, no, yeah, I, I, I agree though. I do, I do agree with many of your points there. Um. Well, how much time do you have left? Do you need? I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I argue with people with the N word on this show before. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I've gotten in a lot Aaron, of arguments, and Aaron's I use the N word better. He's been one of our better people about I you know not using it. I just said I don't like. We have an audience that isn't one that I would like or prefer to use the N word around me, and if that's the case, I don't want to normalize it for them, right? I don't want I don't want people who we know shouldn't be using the N word to use it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's my whole thing. I, I always felt like I, I felt like growing up, I don't know if it had to be have parents with Alabama roots or this and that. You learn how to use the N-word in a very like it was also part of code switching, right? And like I didn't use the N-word. And I went to schools that were more diverse. I bust out to the valley from LA. So I went from this all black area to a diverse school and and it was in not just myself, other black people there, we were really much code switching with the N-word. We didn't use it when our white friends, our Latin friends or whoever came around, right? We used it in, in terms with each other, but not in front of other people. And, I, and I, I've been I've been sorted that way with this show. I mean, I've used it a few times. I used it quite more than a few times on this show. Man, two weeks ago during Father's Day, the Father's Day show, you was- Yeah, I was upset. <laughs> I was upset. 
See, there that's the go. difference. That, that, had, that had some emotion behind it. So that, that was actually using it the right way, but not just <laughs> blowing it out for no reason. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, that's how you know Aaron. When I hit, that's when you know you triggered Aaron, and he, he'll start dropping this, this, this nigga. Yeah, I might start dropping. I might start sounding like that preacher from uh, Harlem. Are you talking about J- uh, JD, JD Manning? Manning. Uh huh. Shout out to JD Manning. Well, I won't say what he's saying. I just might start sounding like him, but I won't uh, say. I love JD Manning. So that's Pedro. Said. That's pa- Pedro. Uh, Pedro was trying to trying to sign up for his church, but. Uh, you know, how'd that go, Pedro? Might not be in existence. Mm, mm. Got a I lot think of it's white, still there. I got a lot of white resources from it. I tell you that. <laughs> uh, shit. Uh, all right. Well, y'all ready to start the show? Uh, shut the hell up, man. <laughs> Forty-five minutes into it, hour and yeah. forty minutes into it, you gonna say you ready to start? Uh, well, I want to give you, I want to give you one story. And I, I like, so I did, I did this, uh, I did a book review uh, mm-hmm. on a book called "Teaching White History to Black." Uh, sorry, teaching Black History to White People uh, is by a brother by the name of Leonard Moore. is produced by the uh, University of Texas Press. Uh, can you, can you get that to Florida real fast? Can you get it down to Florida real fast? Hey, well, I mean, man, it's 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 probably immediately put on the band book list, right? <laughs> but uh, but uh, but the brother he talked about this one thing that I love. He gave this example, and he's like, it's called the Monopoly example, right? So it's like in the game Monopoly, we all know there's house rules, right? So people have rules set up, and they you know you can take this, and this is when you can collect money, and if you land on prison visitation, then you get to cash or not, right? And so if you think about Monopoly in America, right, the house rules was it was we couldn't own property, right? We couldn't own property, right? We couldn't own property. We couldn't buy shit. We had to basically be in servitude for the first few times around, for the first few uh, uh, decades, you know what I'm saying, around the board, right? A a couple of centuries around the board. And that is, is sort of where we are now in this moment where they're making this decision. They're like, no, it's unfair for you to consider the fact that the rules in this set it up where you couldn't get access to education, right? Until much later than the other people on the board. Now things are equal. So since in this moment, things are equal, it's unfair of us to make them unequal to try to balance that out, right? And, and, and so it is the highest form of gaslighting uh, that you can see at the, you know, from the highest level from SCOTUS. Thank you for giving us an example of gaslighting. Now we can put it in a dictionary, <laughs> this vote against affirmative action, because you're saying that it's racist for us to consider race now, but the impact of us considering the race for centuries, that is okay. We move beyond that, right? And I think that is the important piece when people are trying to have real conversations about this moment that we're having is it is like the game of Monopoly, except for in this game, education is the core and the key to people making dough, right? And, and even in that sense, when we do get educated, uh, we make, uh, you know, 59K is our salary. I think it's 76K is what 
white folks are making with degrees. So even if we are happen to make it into the school, right? We make 70 cents to the dollar to them or something like that. Yeah. It's Same crazy. thing as women to men. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's important to get that. And so for me, I, you know, that is the, the, the case. That is sort of the thing that our, our ancestors have been, they argued before us. And I'm sad to say, you know, that the next generation may be arguing after me. Uh, but my job is to frame it and to give you as much ammo as you can, right? To give you as much tools as possible and to tell you to look for assets. Like, let's look for assets and let's build this future together. And let's not stay focused on the deficits, right? I think that we're human for the same way. If uh, your woman says some shit to you that didn't make no damn sense, you're going to feel some type of way about it. But as, as you know, uh, as, as leaders in this community, right, we can't be so caught up in that relationship frustration, right? That the way it came out, we have to be looking at the future. How do we build that future for our family? Uh, in the case of me and the brother who actually have family, for you trifling as Negroes who are out here, you know, <laughs> chasing. Yeah, I'm saying whatever way, you know, whatever way the <laughs> metaphor works for y'all. But I'm saying that that's the way we yeah, have I'll to make build, it fit in somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we have to build our community in that way, right? We have to build like where we don't get caught up in, in frustrations with the way yeah. somebody says something or how this thing plays out in this moment or the fact that like some of our friends are excited about us losing access to college. Like the fuck? Like type of shit is that? Like, I mean, America is fighting itself again. There we go again. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. we really have to say like, well, it's for the, for the good of our people holistically. So anyway, that's where I'm at right now, man. I'm trying to find, in, uh, trying to find community uh, with mm-hmm. folks common goals and i don't see nothing but resources around us to make this stuff happen you know and again it weeds out all the bad ideas so no more soul food drive-throughs no more quesadillas and microwaves only only top tier uh, ideas will get funded but we can still fund these things that really are making sense and so that's what i'm trying to do out here y'all how about oxtail tacos yeah how about oxtail microwave quesadillas yeah, yeah, those <laughs> those are bad ideas. But bad it's you know ideas. one. I do appreciate that y'all have the confidence to put those badass ideas out there as if they're good. I don't, I don't, because the people with their bad ideas and now all the hipsters and white people got used to eating oxtails and now it's at eleven dollars hey, hey. a pound right now. I can't afford it. Hey, how about this idea, prop? How about I have this water truck and I call it a drive-by car wash? Right. Come on. <laughs> I used right. to make oxtails five, five to six times a year. Now I'm down to one. So it sounds like we need to have some uh, some basic economics. Uh, we need to yeah. have a basic basic economics conversation. We do. Uh, I need to. I need yeah. to get rid of. You need to go to the Asian market, now. Aaron. You've been going to the Asian market, Chinatown to get oxtails. They're probably a little cheaper. I gotta yeah, try yeah. that next. I'll try that next. Problem is, you shopping at, 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 at some of them expensive grocery stores. And, Man, you know, I went to a cheap grocery store still. It was eleven dollars in in a Safeway. Yeah, no, uh-huh. it is. Maybe God's trying to tell you to stop eating those oxtails. Maybe he is. Maybe he yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> tell, but tell someone to tell leave God I'm gonna die without it. <laughs> leave, leave it to those white people. Is what it's saying. Let it, let it bleed. <laughs> tell God I'm gonna die without it. God. <laughs> You're going to die without them oxtails. All right. Uh-huh. Leave me some oxtails. Duly right. noted. Duly noted. Well, um, you down to just do our introductions real quick? Because I think this has been a great 
great conversation overall. Um, oh, we never introduced ourselves. We never did introductions. That way we do introductions and I'll probably do like a post edit where I'll like just be like, this is the conversation that was had. But like, because I think that, you know, everything we talked about was 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 poignant. Um, but yeah. So I love the big I gotta say I love the big words you use, Jared. You've been educated by some fine individuals. No, I just I read Uh just enough books in high school to mildly know when to use some of them, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Man, I got the big vocabulary. (laughs) I'm glad you're on the show because he finally get a chance to use it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's good stuff. I'm hoping I'm hoping you get it all out of the system. (laughs) 